going on guys we're back to a cold intro not not gonna read any of the rap no rap poems this time i kind of had a feeling that i thought that that was really funny but other people didn't and then last episode i did a movie uh intro monologue of christian bale and i thought it was really good i I went back and re-listened to it i thought it was really good but then i like talked about like my method i mean what the that was so stupid like who cares you're not listening to this podcast to learn how to do christian bale impressions so it was off to a good start but then totally derailed anyway um thanks again for stopping by welcome to the idea attic podcast broadcasting from the top floor of wifm and all places podcasts are heard do me a favor, do yourself a favor, share this podcast with a friend. Don't hoard it away. Let the podcast wash over people. Just wash over them. That's what we want to do. So I hope you guys are having a good Monday. Hope you had a great Mother's Day. Um, even Either your wife or girlfriend or mom that you're spending it with. So had a pretty like, chill day. Didn't really do, do much, which is nice. Um... Those are like the best days when you can just sit back and don't have anything to worry about. So I was clicking around on Facebook and one of my friends from high school, I think he moved to New York City for a while, but now he lives in Maine. And he just recently moved up there. And I was just looking at his like his pictures of like his house and stuff. And like, I got to say, Maine looks really cool. I know that, well, I've heard that there's not any jobs up there. There's really nothing to do besides fish. I'm not a fisherman, but... It looks really picturesque. Like he has like a huge like two story house with a wraparound porch. I'm pretty sure he's within walking distance of the ocean, and that's like really appealing. And I and I don't really I've never been to Maine, but I like to go sometime check it out. I've been to Massachusetts before, and I liked that a lot. But I don't think I could afford to live in Massachusetts. I don't know if anyone really can. But I was working on a flip once, and the neighbor next door, he was kind of a hippie. I liked him, and. He went to art school somewhere in the Northeast. And then after that, he moved into like a hippie, like like some sort of art commune in Maine. And he was telling me he lived in a house that was built in the late 1700s, like early 1800s. And he was saying it was so drafty. They had to have like a fireplace in every room. And the insulation in the walls was hay. So that's pretty bizarre. But the cold doesn't really bother me. Like I'm pretty much almost like immune to the cold. And I think part of it is just like, I have like very leathery, like thick man skin and I'm fat. So it's like, I'm wearing a coat all the time. So basically like I hardly ever wear a coat in Nebraska unless it's really cold, but okay, that's enough bullshit. Let's just get into the episode. What we're talking about today is we're talking about starting from the bottom and working your way back up. You know, maybe, maybe something unfortunate happened. Maybe something happened to you unfortunate, you know, you had a bankruptcy, maybe you had a drug or alcohol or gambling addiction and you lost everything. Maybe you went to prison and you're just getting out of prison. But for whatever reason, let's just say that you're basically starting from the bottom. And I just want to tell everyone, anyone who's like gone through something like that, who's made a mistake and like paid for it dearly or made a a series of mistakes that... Just remember to don't let your past define who you are today. You can't saddle yourself with regret. You have to keep moving forward and not dwell on yesterday. And I know that it's really easy to fall into that because, you know, sometimes you're sitting around and you're thinking like, you know, what are some things I regret that I could have done differently or what should I have done differently in this situation? And it's easy to like go back and like have regrets and, and feel bad about what you did or didn't do. But all you can do is learn from the things in the past and move on to the future. And I think it's so important to think about the future and the things that are coming up, because that's what like pulls us forward. That's what gives us um, hope and promise for like the next thing or like the the next good thing or the next thing to look forward to, or like the next achievement or or the next um, project or whatever. And I think you always have to have a vision of the future. And, you know, vision is so important that there's even a Bible quote about it. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So, you know, even in the Bible, 
vision and looking forward is something that is addressed. And I know there's a lot of people that carry around a lot of guilt and a lot of regret, so I just wanted to get that out. So I promise this episode will get funnier. It's really not starting out that funny, but... So, okay, what if you are starting from ground zero? Like, you have nothing. You have to start at the bottom, work your way back. Like, how do you do it? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at two different, I call them low-life ideas, because I learned them from some people that are kind of low lives. (laughs) But these are good ideas. And actually, one of them, you could just do, like, as a side hustle as you if you wanted to. It's not... um, there's nothing wrong with it, like from an ethical, um, from like an ethical standpoint. Um, it's just, I don't know if you don't want to do it, but we'll get into that in a minute. So let's say you're like really at the bottom. You don't, you don't even have a place to live. You're homeless. But if you are, if you ever did find yourself homeless, um, you can live at the Salvation Army. So For this idea, we're just going to say that you're living at the Salvation Army. So if you're living at the Salvation Army, I believe you get six months to live there for free. And you might have to, like, do some chores around the building. So so that's going to be our setting as we're living at the Salvation Army. And my first advice is get a full-time job. Any full-time job you can get. I would say get a full-time job at a major retailer. And we'll get to why in a minute. So let's say for, for an example, you get a job at Lowe's and I would make sure that your job is within walking distance to an apartment complex you're willing to live in. And remember the apartment complex that you're willing to live in, we want it to be cheap, but you don't want it to be like a dangerous hellhole. So cheap, but not dangerous. So Below market rent, but not somewhere you're going to get like knifed in the parking lot. And I looked this up. So the starting salary at Lowe's is $12.25 an hour or $488 per week. So that's like a good starting point. And Lowe's hires basically children to like work at the cash register. So even if you're like a felon, you can get a job at Lowe's working in the cash register. Oh, and by the way, if you're a felon, Lowe's gets, I think, some sort of federal tax kickback or they get some they get some benefit from hiring you if you're a felon. <clears throat> so, hold on. So like I said before, I believe you get 6 months to live at the Salvation Army. So let's say you can bank $5,000 over those those 6 months or about half of your take-home pay from or excuse me, about half of your gross pay from Lowe's. I'm not going to go through like taking out figuring out the taxes from it. So after those six months, you need to find a two, two bedroom apartment and you want to get three roommates. So let's say a two bedroom apartment um, runs you $1,200 a month or $300 a person. So that's like super, super cheap. Along with that, you need to rent a garage at your apartment complex. And the garage is just going to be for you because we're going to use the um, garage in a minute to, talk a little bit about like one of the ideas. The other thing is if you go, and this can be like for, if you're listening to me and you're like 18 or 19 and you and your friends like want to go find a place, a place to live, but you don't have any money. What you do is you, you, the most like mature looking one of the group goes and gets like a suit or like nice clothes and, and goes and rents the apartment or house. And obviously like a two bedroom apartment, they don't think that they're not going to allow you to have like four adults and they're like living in bunk beds or whatever, but like who the hell cares if you're 18 and you just got out of high school and you want to like have a cool like place, like a punk house kind of thing to live with your friends and like party, then who cares if you're like sharing a room, you know, it's not forever too. People always think that like, like, Oh, I can't do that. It's like, you can't do that for six months until you can get a better place. Like get fucking real. So That's what I would do. That way your rent is so cheap. And that goes for this or like if you're a kid. So that's like a great like thing to do. So like I said, you're also going to rent out uh, at least one garage at the apartment complex that you're living in. And we're going to use the garage for like our little like side hustle business idea. The next thing you want to do is buy a used minivan. Now you can buy cheap used minivans that have high mileage, but... 
a lot of like cheap high mileage minivans are like Toyotas or uh, Honda Odysseys, things like that. And as long as like the people weren't like beating the living hell out of them, they're going to go for like an, at least another like 50 to 75,000 miles. So when I was kind of doing the prep for this, I, I went out and I found a 2005 to, uh, Toyota Sienna for $4,000. And I think it had like 170,000 miles on it. It doesn't matter because we're just going to be using it to make money for a while. And then once we have more money, we can get something else. So just get something cheap, but it can't be totally trashed. The other thing is, ideally, we want a minivan that we can take the ver- all the seats out behind the driver and passenger seat because we're just going to be using the inside of the minivan for storage. What a lot of people don't know is you can actually put quite a bit of weight in, inside of, of a minivan because it's made for six full-grown adults to be able to ride in. So you can actually haul quite a bit of stuff, and that's what we're going to be doing with it. You're going to also want to get a cheap cell phone. It needs to be a smartphone because we need to be able to get on Facebook and like Craigslist and all that stuff. I would suggest getting something like real, like the cheapest plan you can get, like either like Cricket um, or uh, there's a whole bunch of like non-contract um, cell phone providers that are out there, like a burner phone kind of thing. So like a you could get a, like a gas station that also sells cell phones, stuff like that. So now we're going to start working on our first off hours, like side hustle idea. And what you're going to do is you're going to start snatching up free stuff on Facebook, Craigslist, and leftover stuff from garage sales. So you might not know this, but well, you probably know this. Um, people like just give away stuff on Facebook. They used to do this on Craigslist all the time, but um, people just give away stuff on, on Craigslist or on Facebook. And sometimes like the stuff is like pretty good. Like people could be moving and they just want to get rid of something. Maybe they've tried to sell it, but they were at too high of a price and they were just like, fuck it. I'll just like give it away. So I'll give you like a little bit of background on this um, idea of like going out and just picking up free stuff and then reselling it. So back when I had like a foreclosure clean out business, one of the, one of my employees had previously like been in prison and when you have a business like cleaning up garbage, you're not going to get people who like went to Stanford or people who have MBAs or law degrees. They're, you're going to get whoever you get. And it just so happens I got like a felon and his brother, and I believe his brother was a felon too, and they like worked out perfectly. They were the best employees I had. I paid them $10 an hour in cash and anything they could steal. So when you have people like that, you just have to like say, well, I know they're going to like steal a little bit more than likely. So just like put it into their like compensation package. But, but what he did is when he first got out of prison, he had a job at Sizzler or no, was it Sizzler? Some steakhouse. He was like a, he was like a cook. And then on his off hours, he would like do this thing where he would go and like pick up free stuff off of Craigslist and Facebook and then what he would do, he lived in an apartment complex and he would put it in anything good. He would put it in um, his garage. And at the end of the week, he would have a garage sale. And he said that the garage sale, he could usually make between $500 and $750 like per week having a garage sale of stuff he got for free. So your overhead is obviously like sourcing the stuff and like driving around. Um. He said one time he was like a pretty unusual like person, like pretty entertaining character. And he had like a background in like door-to-door sales. So he was really good at like, he was very engaging with people. So he could like go and like pick up one thing for free and then get like a whole bunch of other stuff. So one time he was at someone's house like picking up something and he got to talking with them and they had been like trying to sell a sleep number bed and I don't know how he did it, but somehow he convinced them to like let him haul it, quote, haul it off for free. So he was like, well, I'm like really saving you money because normally like people like charge to haul stuff like like this off to the dump, blah, blah, blah. So he talked talked him into like giving him the sleep number bed. And he said it was like relatively new. So he just like turned around and sold it on like uh, Facebook for like, I think he sold it for like three or $400 or maybe more, could have been more. So he got that for free. He got like a little mini, like a, uh, 
like a little mini bike free off of Craigslist. And then another time some guy was giving away like industrial shelving that, that you would like stack like heavy material on. So what happened was this guy was giving this stuff away for free because his business, which was a electronic supply warehouse was moving from one part of town to the other part of town. And they like no longer needed these like industrial shelves. So this kid I know went and the guy was like, yeah, if you could like get rid of them all, like I would actually even be willing to pay you like $500 if you could just dispose of them all. So what this kid did is he like looked up the manufacturer of the shelves and they happened to be in Omaha and he cut like some deal where he sold them the shelves out of the supply house, like back to the manufacturer for, I think he sold sold them back to him for like $1,500. And not only that, the manufacturer like showed up with like an 18 wheeler and like guys and the guys loaded up the shelves so this kid got like the $1,500 from the manufacturer and the $300 from the guy who was like moving the warehouse. So basically in a couple of phone calls, he made like almost $2,000 in cash. So he was like always getting into like bizarre things like that. Another time he, he saw somebody like giving away some like free like billboard stuff of like a movie theater that was being torn down in town. And he went to like this movie theater that was being torn down in town and he was like, well, I can like take a whole bunch of like the movie theater seats. And they were like, well, the demolition guys have like um, uh, unattached them all. So like as many as you want, like you can have. So then he got like a whole like old movie theater worth of like these like movie theater seats. Some of them he sold, some of them he like scrapped, some of them he just threw away. But it was like, he was always getting into like bizarre stuff like that. And that's actually how I met him. Cause I was giving away like free scrap metal from a house that like we were cleaning out and he like showed up and he was like one of the only people I'd ever dealt with that was picking up scrap metal that wasn't high on meth or looked like he did meth. <clears throat> so that's how he got a job with me because I was like, Hey, I'll give you like a couple hundred dollars to like finish cleaning this house out or help my guys uh, finish cleaning this house out. And he did it. And then that's kind of how it got started. So, so he would do that. He would pick stuff up, um, free off of Facebook, off of Craig, Craigslist. And then the other thing he would do, he, was, he would drive around uh, neighborhoods at night with his minivan and pick up anything that people would put on the curb for the trash that like he thought he could get any value out of. And he also um, just used a minivan, which I think is a good idea because minivans are a lot cheaper than uh, pickups. So like even like a shitty pickup with a million miles on it, is going to be like six to $7,000. You're going to get bad um, gas mileage. And if you have like a pickup, like if you're driving around the neighborhood, a neighborhood at night with a pickup, like loaded down full of stuff, it's going to look more suspicious than like somebody in like a van because of uh, like a, a Chrysler town and country kind of like blends in a little bit in like a residential neighborhood. If you're driving around at night, picking through people's trash, obviously driving around at night, looking for trash, that's like a little bit more, that's not for everyone, right? I mean, you might not feel comfortable picking stuff up off the curb, but you have to remember, like, if you're living at the Salvation Army or if you're living in a slum apartment with three other guys, then you would probably be willing to do that. So what you do is, as you pick stuff up over the week, you put it in your storage garage. And, and like I said, we're doing this after hours when we're not working at Lowe's. And then you're having a garage sale on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, depending on like the schedule that you work at Lowe's. The other thing is at Lowe's, I don't have this in my notes, but another thing that I, I think is a good reason to work at like Lowe's or like a big box store is because every once in a while Lowe's has really, really good sales on um, things that like aren't selling well. So... And they're usually like up at the front. And if you have, if you work at Lowe's, I believe you get like, you probably get some like a 20% discount on, on everything in the store. So you, you would get that too. And you could turn around and like sell that stuff, um, on Amazon pretty easily. And then you wouldn't even have to like really necessarily like buy the stuff. You could just keep track of the inventory at the store. And as people bought it from you, then you could buy it from the store and like ship it out to them. So I think that'd be like a pretty easy way to make extra money um, while you're working at a big box retailer. And it wouldn't necessarily have to be Lowe's, but I just, 
I just picked Lowe's. Um, the other thing that you're going to do is, and this one is a little bit, this is a little scummier, but I knew people who like did this at like part-time jobs or like people who like worked at call centers, like part-time or whatever in the evenings. And they would do this. This is kind of like a low life thing to do, but you can make good money doing it. Um, the only problem is like the collection aspect could get a little messy. So what it is, is it's making payday loans to your coworkers um, at a part-time or full-time job. Now, obviously you, so let's say you're making like an extra, like $1,500 a month from like picking up and like reselling like trash basically, basically. So you have an extra $1,500 a month. So you have a little bit of money to like make payday loans to people that you work with. Now it's very common for people to be like for their money to run out before like the pay period does. So somebody might need like a couple hundred dollars just to like make ends meet over the next couple of days. So what you would do is you would just loan them the amount of their paycheck. So just a paycheck advance basically. And then you would charge the standard rate for a paycheck advance, which is typically bef- between 15 and 20%. So let's say if you loaned out um, somebody a thousand bucks for a couple of days, you would get back your $1,000 plus $150 in interest. Like I said, this is a little bit scummier. This obviously isn't for everybody, but this is a, gr- a great way for you to like just keep churning the cash that you're making from like uh, picking up and like selling free stuff. Obviously, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be um, loaning money to your coworkers. So you're not... You're going to have to like, basically the way you're going to have to get into this is you're going to have to hear somebody at work, overhear them talking about like needing extra money or being short, not being able to pay their rent. And then you, you would just step in and say like, oh, I can like loan you some money until like payday. And you're going to want to like really like tread lightly with that because obviously I'm sure you could lose your job for that. Um, And you don't want to get fired if like the if you only have like a one full-time job and that's paying the majority of your bills. And then once you do that, then word will kind of like get around that you're doing it. So like I said, you have to like be really careful with that one. And I would position it as like, well, like I don't, I would like, I would like volunteer it for the first person. But then after that, I would be like, well, I don't know if I want to do it, you know, make it seem like you're not, like setting up a full-time or like a part-time like side business doing it, make it seem like you're more like, well, like, I guess I can do it. You know what I mean? Don't oversell it. Otherwise someone is going to definitely report you and like fire your ass. You're going to get fired. So I think with a full-time job and both of those like side hustles going on, that you could definitely bank up enough money to um, move out of the apartment that you're sharing with three other guys. Um, Hopefully you can keep the side hustles going for like a year or two and then you could move up with the like uh, retailer that you work at or what you could do is work the two side hustles and put money away to like start a business or better yet buy a business because um, I'm a firm believer that buying a business is the best is one of the best things you can do to get ahead in life because somebody else has already laid the groundwork for you. But what I would do is like bank up enough money to cover your expenses for one year. And um, that's a common practice that people who like sell real estate tell like new realtors. And I know that's a really foreign concept to like a lot of employees. But if you're going to like going to go out on your own for real, you have to have at least one year of expenses in the bank, like minimum. Because you never know what's going to happen. You could quit your job, start your gig start your like new business and then something like COVID-19 or 9-11 or God knows what happens uh, or a banking problem. And then you might not have income for a long time. And luckily like over the COVID-19 thing, me and my wife have been able to like keep doing our regular business and haven't really been interrupted. But if we weren't able to get a paycheck, we could go, we could go at least 18 months without like any form of income if we had to. Not that I want to do that, but that's just a smart plan if you're going to be self-employed. And nowadays, I would even say, I would even give that advice to anybody with a full-time job because you never know what's going to happen. Um, 
it's just too it's just too scary. It seems like every time that there's like a good market a good economy for over like such, it seems like if there's a good economy for like seven, eight or like 10 years, something either naturally comes up a bubble burst and everything, all the profits get cleared off the table or something else comes up and clears the profits off the table. So I always caution people like I'm, I'm not risk adverse in any way. I think that in order to get ahead in life, you have to take risks, but at the same time, you can't be a complete idiot about it. You have to protect yourself. So you don't, especially if you have a, like a wife and family, you can't, you can't be putting everything on the line. You have to like have some held back and reserves for things like this to happen. So that's my little two ideas to um, get you out of the gutter. If you're starting from ground zero and those are two things that, like, you don't have to really have any skill set. Um, all you have to do to find free stuff and then resell it is just be looking at your phone, which everyone does anyway. And you could even do that garage sale thing, like, on the side. It's just a regular side hustle because that can just put, like, literally cash in your pocket, which is always, like, great. You know, cash to buy gas, cash to buy food, whatever. So I think that's a really good interesting technique. And the guy I learned it from, like I said, it was like quite, quite a character. Um, so, um, moving on to the business for sale. Now the business for sale is actually like pretty cool. I'm sorry. I have to apologize for like the last one I read the guy, the guy who had it for sale literally wrote like an entire, like 7,500 word article basically. So I was like spending the whole time reading, which isn't very fun. But this is a really interesting business. I really like it a lot. And what it is, is it's a hazmat transportation company. And it's out of uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. They're asking $2.7 million for this business. It cash flows $815,000, or excuse me, $814,000 per year off of gross revenues of $1.8 million. They rent the place that they're currently operating out of. It's been established since 1995. It's a successful, profitable trucking company operating in the Northeast that engages in, among other things, a very profitable hazmat sector of the industry. It has longstanding relationships. They have specially designed truck beds to accomplish the mission of moving hazmat. The specialty segment will also continue through any economic cycle as it as its products are always being used no matter what is happening globally. Furthermore, it has a very sustainable transport business for one of the largest food service companies in the world. These staple segments help build confidence in the upcoming revenue stream of the company well into the future. So normally, I know we already talked about a little bit of a play on a trucking company, which was a truck driving school. Normally a trucking company, I feel like that is too crowded. There are so many like logistics companies, trucking companies, freight forwarding companies that I think as like an individual starting off or like buying like a, a small fleet or like a small trucking company, obviously $2.7 million in uh, the realm of a trucking business really isn't that big of a business. Um, normally I would, I would kind of shy away from a trucking company because I, f I feel like there's, you have so many competitors through other trucking companies. And then obviously just like individuals who own their own trucks could come in and undercut you. But the good thing about this is they're doing a lot of hazmat. Um, they're moving a lot of hazmat stuff. So Hazmat, if you don't know what that is, it's hazardous material. And it doesn't go into details um, in this teaser listing about exactly like what kind of hazardous materials that they're moving. But it could, um, but it could be things such as uh, like medical waste, things like that. And in order to, uh, to do, uh, carry hazardous material, you have to have specific licenses I think you have to have a different license for every state. Um, the trucker who's driving the truck has to like have um, certain like certifications as well. So not just anybody can like um, jump in and and get into 
into that without some experience. So that is good. It does give you a little bit more of a niche um, to work out of, um, which is which I like that a lot. And the other thing that I like about this, obviously the the owner is willing to um, take part in um, owner financing. It says that they're willing to uh, finance up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of the asking price, which is two point seven million. So I'd like to see that like a little bit higher. But that's something that you can negotiate. The other thing is that the per, that the seller is retiring, which in my opinion, that's like the best reason for selling a business because at a certain point, you've made your money and you want to move on. <clears throat> so anyway, I think that's a pretty cool business. Oh, whoops. Um, oh, shit. Oh. Whoops. Um. If you guys want more information about that, uh, you can contact me via Facebook uh, or my email address. I'll put in the show notes. I forgot to put the like broker's name and number on there, which I actually did last time too. But I want to make sure that they that I'm getting that information out to anybody interested. So contact me if you want more information about that. Um, so I'm kind of doing like a little bit of a new segment, which I think is kind of fun. Usually I do like three, three critiques of like other business ideas that I hear about online of, that people ask, uh, ask me about, or that I overhear other people talking about, but this week we're like doing something a little bit different. We're going to like talk about a guy his the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Um, the name, his, his name and where he's from, I, I changed and his age, but, um, we're just going to talk about like an individual, his background, what he does for a job. And then like, I came up with some different ideas that I think would be good for him to look at because he's tired of his job, obviously. So this guy's name is James Bass. He's from San Antonio, Texas. He's 42 years old, 42 years young. He works in HR at a large corporation. He's been there for 15 years and is fed up with all the politics and bullshit. feels like his uh, career, he feels like he's taken his career at, at that business as far as it can go. He feels boxed in. He's not sure if he wants to go to a different company and do the same thing. He likes the actual work. He just hates the job, hates having to go in every day. He'd like to spend more time with his wife and just have more freedom, which I don't blame him. Um, before this, he worked in the financial department of another large corporation, Um he has a bachelor's degree in business administration from the University of Texas. <clears throat> His interests outside of work are NASCAR, which we can't really he can't really do anything with that for a business, obviously. He loves playing fantasy baseball and baseball. He's a huge Rangers fan and he likes fishing. So I always like to ask people like what like what do you like to do? Because I feel like when you go to college or like you're in high school, people even – I feel like you have to start off with something that you like in your interest. You know, a lot of people are like, well, a lot of people don't really like follow their interest or follow the things that they like enjoy doing when they select a job, when they select a college major because you – a lot of times people haven't like worked at all. You know what I mean? So I started working part-time when I was 15. Actually, I think my first job that I had was 14. And it, and my mom managed a real estate office in the town that I grew up, that I grew up in. And um, they needed someone to like pick up the litter and like shit and like on the premises, like in the parking lot and stuff. And I got paid like 25 bucks every time I did it. So that was my like real first job where I got like a check from somebody I didn't know, you know, I, I had mowed lawns and stuff like that before. So that was my like first job was like picking up litter in like a parking lot. And then my second job after that was I worked for a local builder and I would go and do like construction site, like cleanup. And like, I, I didn't really ever think of it think about it after that, you know, like I had other jobs in college. And when I was like going to get a college degree, I never thought about the time I spent like picking up trash, but it turned out 
then I got a, like a full-time job at a marketing company. I hated that. And then I went back to picking up trash and I made tons more money picking up trash than I ever would have at the marketing company. And I made more money than any of the employees at the marketing company because they say that the first job you ever get, you're always going to the first job that you get, you're always going to be like attracted to that industry. You're always going to like feel comfortable with that. And I guess that for me, that was true. I don't know if it's true for everyone, but I feel like you have to like know yourself a lot before you, before you really like pick a career. And I feel like kids nowadays, like don't work and like, they know they don't have to work. So they just fuck off all the time and, and, and whatever. So I feel like it's really important for you if you're in high school to like go out and get a job so you know what you like and know what you don't like. Our friend James here like thought he liked business administration, whatever the fuck that means. And he tried his hand at working in a finance department, didn't like that. Then he tried his hand at working in an HR department, burned up 15 years of his life. And now he's wondering, what have I got myself into? I've, I've created myself a prison that I'm not sure I can get out of. Please help. So... I'm bestowing my wisdom on him and my ideas. And if he listens to me and follows one of the ideas, I'm sure he'll have a great life. So, like I said, I like to look at people's interests along with their like work history because maybe we can mesh those two things together. <clears throat> Obviously, he's somewhat competent if he kept, has kept a job for 15 plus years. So I don't have to worry about that. The competency... Um, so let's look at like fishing. Cause he says he really likes to fish. So you could possibly start, um, start a business as a fishing guide. If there's enough demand in his area. Now I'm not really familiar with San Antonio, Texas. I don't really know how much fishing is around there. It's not close to the ocean. So you can't do like chartered, like tours. Maybe you could go bass fishing. I think that you can like do like paddle fishing you can do paddle fishing in Nebraska, but I think that there you can do like like large paddlefish fishing in Texas, which if you don't know what a paddlefish is, it's just this tremendously huge fish with like a bill, like a huge bill on the on the end of its head. And um you I think you hunt them like with a bow and arrow. And uh, and then once you like hit it with the arrow, you like reel it in. I know that in Texas I think that there's like gar fishing, but I don't I don't know why anyone would ever go gar fishing. Um, a gar is like a fish that looks like a kind of like a snake with teeth. Really disgusting. Um, so I kind of like did a little bit of research on being a fishing guide. And you can make anywhere between $75 and $400 a day depending on your area. I don't love that. $75 a day. This guy has a wife and kids. A wife and three kids. That's not going to cut it. If he's in an area where he could like fill his schedule out – and he would have lots of demand and get up to $400 a day, then $400 a day is pretty, that's, that would be fine. I think I can't imagine that as an HR specialist at a major corporation that he's making much over $80,000. So maybe with benefits, he would be making what? $120,000 a year. And what's $400 times five, two, four, six, eight. So if he was making $400 a day, he'd be making like about $100,000. So that's almost replacing his job. But I don't really love that because fishing guide, that could be like all over the map. I, I don't really like that one. Now, he did say that he he actually kind of likes working in HR. So another thing that he could look at is starting a talent recruiting, like an HR, but like recruiting, um, talent recruiting business is what I would do with his HR background because he's going to know how to like Find candidates, onboard them, everything like that. So, if you're so basically, like he could like start like a headhunting business. In a headhunting business, you can have a fee structure um, a couple different ways. But I think that the most, um, I think the most common is a placement fee. So, uh, for example, if you started this recruiting business. Um, and let's say you use the, the uh, placement fee structure and you recruited somebody that makes $70,000 per year, you would make approximately um, 
the average is 20% of their first year salary. So if you recruited somebody that made $70,000 a year, your fee would be $14,000. That's pretty good because if you did like two of those, let's say like starting off, and I don't know how hard it would be to like get this going. Obviously somebody with an HR background, whoops, oh shit. Oh God, I'm recording my screen and I actually put a freaking calculator in the middle. You're fine. So 14, let's say like you did, you could get two placements. Oh shit. What have I done? That's $28,000 a month times 12. So that's $336,000 a year. I don't know if placing two people per month, if that's like a reasonable goal for the first 12 months to do two a month especially if you're like on your own, because you're going to have to find clients and then you're going to have to go out and find uh, talent. But let's say like the first year you place five people and then the second year you can double that. And the second year you can double that. So there's enough demand in recruiting and it looks like there's enough money in recruiting because 20% of someone's first year salary. What if you're, what if everyone that you're like going after is making like over 150? And instead of making $14,000 for a placement, you're making 28. So that's like pretty good money. Um, and what I would do is I would pick a niche like IT, medical specialties, engineering, something like that. Um, the other thing is there's like a lot of smaller and medium-sized companies that do outsource these things. So I think that you could find um, people to recruit for. And if you, this guy has an HR background, maybe he already like has some um, companies in mind where he knows people. And you can get that worked out. So I, I do like that. There's a, like a lot of money in that kind of thing. Um, in Omaha, there's a lot of medical recruiting, medical staffing places. I guess that's like a, staffing is a little bit different because that's more like soup to nuts, like holding your hand. But I know I'll, there there's a company in town where people used to like just be like medical recruiters and the employees were making like three to $400,000 a year. So they got all these like really good recruiters to like come to this place to like build this place up. So the owners of the place really weren't like making that much money because they were like paying everyone like insane commissions. So they got it up to like where they were like one of the top like medical recruiting companies in the entire firm or in, 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 their firm was one of the top like medical recruiting companies in the whole country. And then they just cut everyone off at the knees and took their like salaries from $300,000 a year down to like fifty. And people were fucking pissed. Like, it was like a big deal. Which it is. That's complete bullshit. I mean, that's like what? It's one-sixth of your regular salary. So they just totally fucked everyone. So, and God, anyone with a job, just be careful. Because they're like, every day they're just coming for you. <clears throat> the other thing, the other idea is I would start a fantasy baseball website that gave that was content based about playing fantasy baseball and like and like gambling on fantasy baseball and I would have it like set up like 80/20 so 80% of the um, information you're giving away 80% of the like website is free but then you hold back 20% of your premium content that uh, members would have to pay a monthly fee to access um, I really like this because I don't know if like a lot of you know this, but people like play fantasy f baseball as a full-time job. And the reason is baseball is so data and numbers driven that you can get like every statistic under the sun about every player. I mean, it's ridiculous. And that's kind of like what that movie, um, like or that like saber metrics and all that in the movie with uh, Brad Pitt was all about. So people like play fantasy baseball as like a full time job, and if you think about it, it would be a full time job because there's like during baseball season, like the regular season, there's like I don't know how many games per day, like six to eight games per day. So it really would be a full time job. I read an article about this guy, and he had a hog farm in Iowa. And he played fantasy fantasy baseball when he wasn't like feeding the hogs, and he was making like he made 
I think when they interviewed him, like the previous year, he made $440,000 playing fantasy baseball. And he was like, well, I'm just doing it when I'm like not tending to the hogs. Well, he only like had to tend to the hogs like the first half of the day, you know, because he grew up on this hog farm. He knew everything worked. He had a lot of downtime. So that's pretty amazing. The other thing is, um, if you're into sports gambling, regular season baseball, they give you really good odds because they not a ton of people gamble on regular season baseball. So there is a lot of opportunity to get really good odds on regular season baseball. So what he could do is he could work at his HR at his HR um he could work at his regular job, Jesus. He could work at his regular job and then like start this part-time and start building up his membership um, base. That way he would be building up. Think of it as like building up a base salary. So if he had a thousand premium members paying him $9.99 per month, that would equate to $9,900 a month in total or $119,880 per year. So if you had a thousand members signed up paying you basically ten $10 a month, that's basically $120,000. And getting a thousand people to sign up for your site, if you worked at it, I mean, it might take you like a year or two to get that many, but that's like super achievable. If you put the work in and you put out good content and like really worked at it, having a thousand people signed up is achievable. So that would be basically like your base salary. And then what I would do is I would like run, what I would do is I would like build out courses or like special offerings. Maybe you could do it at like the beginning of like each baseball season where you put together like a course um, on like playing um, fantasy baseball and like different things that are happening like that season and like your like hot picks for like players, stuff like that. I don't know really how fantasy baseball works, but I don't even like watch sports. That sounds gay. I watch sports. I don't watch baseball, though. Baseball is boring to me. Um, but I feel like baseball and fantasy baseball, there's, like, so much information that that people want. And people who are, like, really into baseball are, like, really into stats, too. So if you could sell a course about playing fantasy baseball, tips and tricks and stuff like that that not everyone's doing, if you could sell a 1,000 courses – at $199, and let's say you could do that before the baseball season every year with like your top picks, that's $199,000 in, in, in this special like offer course. And that's just like one course you could put out. You could put out a bunch of different other different courses about fantasy baseball and like fantasy betting and like your top picks and like all kinds of stuff. It'd be like a never ending thing. And then more importantly, as you're doing that, you're building not only the brand of the website, but you're building a brand in yourself and you would have the freedom to be, to be with your family and do things that you actually like. So when I like doing this podcast, which I don't, obviously I don't have like a thousand members paying me to do this, but I only do it like a couple times a week or if I'm doing it every day, basically I think all day about like what I want to podcast about and then as like two hours before the podcast, I write everything out and then I come on here and just splooge it out. So, I mean, it takes a lot of thought, but it doesn't really take that much work. So you could definitely run a website part, part time or like in the evenings and weekends to build it up while you're at your HR job. And you could probably do a lot of it at work. I mean, let's be honest. So those are my three ideas from my boy James. And I think the fantasy baseball one is the best because you have the most freedom. You're already watching baseball. Make some money off it, right? And you can start that part-time and and build that up and then get the hell out of the job. Anyone who's listening to this who has a full-time job, please start some side hustle for when you get fucked and you get axed at your job or they downsize you or lay you off. I sell real estate. Do you have any idea how many people sell real estate, even in my own office, that were like at another company for like 25 years and they got laid off? A lot of people, even like this year, there was a girl that joined our team, lady, not a girl, a woman. She's, I believe, in her late 50s. She had worked for a bank in Omaha for... I think like 30 years and she finally 
got up to like the sea level floor. Um, and she was up there for like 18 months and then they got rid of her and she had been there for like 30 years. And I think they got rid of her before she was like fully like had like the full sea level, like, um, retirement plan. So all this stuff is like being planned out. Your demise is being planned by your employer. The re- part of the reason I'm doing this podcast, obviously a lot of it's for my son, but the other thing is I want everyone who has a job out there that can hear me talking. You have to be more selfish. This isn't the sixties where employers are taking care of their employees. My grandfather worked at a, at an insurance company. He would get to work in the morning at 11 o'clock. He'd have a meeting with um, the other guys he worked with. They would like drink some scotch and like smoke a cigar. They would go look at like some property they needed to insure um, they would go look at it for like an hour. They would go have lunch downtown for two hours and then they would go back to the office and like have a scotch and then they would go home. And he worked there for like 30 years. And there were, that's just, it's, that was different. Now after 2008, they're like, Oh, well we can like take three people's jobs and I'll shove it down one person's throat. So they have to do the work of three people Oh, and by the way, we're going to pay them like what a new college grad get, gets. Oh, and now they're going to find out, oh, like I can actually jam more work down these people's throats because now they can like work. We can trade off like letting them work remotely for like having them do more work. So if you're listening to this, please like start some side hustle for when you either get axed, you get laid off, downsized, your job gets shipped out, or you just get fucking burned out working for somebody else and you want to like make real money. Do a little research into like what some of these side hustles or like a job or uh, buying a business can pay you. The business I just talked about, your payment would be like 30 grand or 40 grand a month, but you'd be making like a couple hundred thousand. Hold on. I think the thing made $800,000. If you have gigantic loans that you could cover through the SBA and you'd be making hundreds of thousand dollars like a year. And that company has been going on for 30 years. So please wake up. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. So guys, I really appreciate you stopping by and listening to my podcast. And please, God, share the show with everyone you know. That's really the best thing you can do for everyone. Get the message out. Follow me on Facebook, um, Instagram, YouTube, and remember to listen on, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are heard. And like I said, I really appreciate you guys stopping by. If you guys want a business idea, you need a business idea critiqued, you're looking for a business you might want to buy, you have a business that you might want to buy, and you want some information or some critiques or some things to think about, hit me up. Till then, I will see you guys next time. Thanks.